yards out. We need you to create the best home field advantage. Purchase your season tickets now by visiting astateredwolves.com or call 870-972-2781. Wolves up. 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket is adding another hour of local programming. Hey, this is Cade Carlton. Join me and Andrew Bowen every weekday from 2 to 3 right here on The Ticket for our newest show, The Setup. We'll talk all things A-State, college sports, professional sports, and whatever else the topic of the day might be. And we'll interview a wide variety of guests from local and national levels. It's The Setup weekdays 2 to 3 right here on 95.3 and 96.9 The Ticket. You're listening to KNEA Jonesboro and KBRI Clarendon. The Ticket. It's time for The Setup. The fastest hour in sports talk here on The Ticket. Here are your hosts, Kay Carlton and Andrew Bowen. All right, welcome into the uh, setup here on a Tuesday, September the 21st. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on 95.3, 96.9, the ticket. 970 AM KNEA, streaming online at 95.3theticket.com. You can find us on social media, Facebook, slash 95.3theticket, twitter.com, at 95.3theticket there as well. Uh, a lot to get into on the show today. We're going to uh, really kind of move on from the Washington game. We'll go over the Washington game for the final time before kind of starting to shift our focus to Tulsa and look at how A-State has fared against peer group of five opponents in non-conference road games over the course of the last uh, 10 or so years. So we'll do that. In the first segment, uh, kind of go over uh, the national sports landscape uh, and Monday Night Football, the Manning cast, some other stuff coming out nationally today. Uh, Curtis Wilkerson of Hawk Sports will, jo- will join us at 2.30 today on the program, uh, and then we'll mix in a little uh, college football, uh, MLB, NFL talk to close out the uh, program today, but first... Andrew Bowen will get us caught caught up with some headlines. Brought to you by Plaza Tire Service, bringing you the best deals on tires. Future kickoff time for A-State football has been announced. A-State Sunbelt Conference opener against Georgia Southern on Saturday, October 2nd. Kickoff is now at 3 p.m. The league announced on Monday. Red Wolves will be playing their fifth game of the season when they take on the Eagles. Meanwhile, they will continue their road swing this Saturday in Tulsa. Going to be an interesting game. This is a tough Tulsa opponent. Um... But yeah, excited to keep seeing what happens with this Butch Jones team. Moving on to the Razorbacks, uh, University of Arkansas junior offensive lineman Ricky Stromberg has been named the co-SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Stromberg helped pave the way for Arkansas's offense that tallied 633 yards of total offense, the eighth best mark in program history. He is the first hog to earn that recognition since Dan Skipper in 2016. The Razorbacks are on a roll. I mean, they're, they're winning games. They're looking good. They're, I mean, it seems like every week their players are winning SEC honors, so yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, moving on to the Cardinals, they improved their win streak to nine in a row with a 5-2 to two win over Milwaukee. This gave John Lester his 200th career win. This keeps the Cardinals' NL wildcard hopes alive. 
as the season wraps up. The two teams square off again tonight at 6.40 p.m. on 95.9. The Wolf and Cardinals are hot. It's all I'm hearing. I love it. And this has been your Daily Headlines brought to you by Plaza Tire Service. Now back to Cade. All right. Uh, thanks, Andrew. As uh, We're not going to spend just a ton of time uh, going over A-State football today because we're going to be so A-State football heavy on the show Wednesday through Friday this week. Uh, we'll get our first chance tomorrow to really dive into Tulsa. Uh, we'll have uh, Philip Butterfield on the show tomorrow. We'll have Mitchell Gladstone on the show on Thursday. And then obviously always heavy on A-State lead, the Friday leading up to the game. So we'll, we'll kind of open the show with A-State today and then kind of range out from there. But uh, Yeah, we don't want to you know overload the A-State. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, the last time we'll really look at this Washington game before you put it in the rear view and move on to Tulsa. And – Yesterday on the show, we kind of went over all of the negatives from Washington, and there were a ton of negatives from the Washington game, no as there are <laughs> when you get go on the road and only score two points and get beat 52-53-3, whatever it was, uh, on Saturday. So we'll kind of look at a little bit of the positives from the Washington game heading into this weekend, as well as kind of look back and see what A-State has done against peer opponents in the uh, out-of-conference schedule on the road. But, um, you know, for starters, one of the good things we saw at A-State on Saturday was that they really allowed no explosive plays, which is a good thing because that's what they just kind of got killed on in that Memphis game. Uh, Gave up a ton of extended drives, and obviously that is something that can't – you know, be something that sustains throughout the course of the year. But you really didn't see big explosive plays on Saturday, which is an improvement from it is what we saw against Memphis. It is pretty demoralizing, though, when you get to third down and you play good defense and then they just get one pass. Yeah. Because that, that seemed to be yeah the story in that game every now and then. So. Um, Lincoln Perry looked really good in the receiving game. Uh, I'm interested to see how much more he could be used in – you know, kind of a receiving back role or even like maybe in a slot position. Uh, what I think he'd that, be perfect for the slot. Yeah, what that kind of looks like going forward uh, because he was a real weapon in the receiving game. I mean, he led the team in receiving yards against Washington. So he was a real rep weapon in the receiving game. The defense continued not from a points given up or a yards given up standpoint, but in terms of a turnovers force standpoint, continued to look good in that aspect because, you know, they forced – uh, three turnovers, uh, including a couple of interceptions and a fumble recovery, and the punting game continued to look uh, really good. I mean, Ryan Hansen continued to look really, really good at that punting game. So there were some there were some things you can take away from the Washington game and maybe try and build on going into Tulsa this week. But most importantly, you don't play another Washington this year, and you have a road game coming up against a peer opponent in the Group of Five. And the rest of your schedule is, outside of Tulsa, all league games. So, that's the most important thing coming out of the Washington game, is that yeah. there are no more Washingtons on this schedule for A-State. <laughs> so, uh, Got to move up and on. So. Yeah. So, so now, A-State will turn their attention to Tulsa, where, interestingly enough, today, uh, for the first time all year long, there was no or listed on the depth chart, uh, Butch Jones went ahead and named uh, James Blackman the starter for A-State. 
uh, Saturday on the road at Tulsa. So that definitely interesting because that's the first time all year we haven't seen an or listed next to the quarterback position. Um, and he said, Jones said, Blackman earned the right but doesn't want to use the word settled for the position. So it seems like a position that maybe later on down the road potentially you could come back to and say, hey, maybe we give Lane Hatcher a look here. But for right now, it's James Blackman's job, and James Blackman is going to be the starter going into the Tulsa game on Saturday, which if you get the same type of performance you got from uh, Blackman in the Memphis game uh, the rest of the year, then you feel pretty good about that. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm – it finally somewhat answers the question. I mean, it's still not fully answered, but it's getting there. It's yeah. it's getting there slowly. <laughs> it is. So that question's answered um, as A-State goes on the road to play Tulsa. And it's very interesting to kind of go back and look at the history of A-State and non-conference road games against a group of five opponents because obviously you're not going to fare well most of the time in your non-conference power five road games I mean most of those are you're gonna have you're gonna sprinkle in a few wins every now and then but most of those like it's really not even worth talking about but you can kind of get a good barometer of you know what you look like in non-conference road games against group of five opponents so wanted to go back the last 10 years and look well 2011 and 2012 both were kind of scrapped because that was still during the time when you were playing two buy games and so your group of five opponents at that point were at home and not on the road. So you really start in 2013, and from 2013 to 2017, it, it was it was not good. Uh, 2013 was a Memphis game, the 31-7 to Memphis game, where the only memorable moment in that game was uh, the J.D. McKissick diving touchdown. 2015 on the road, it was Toledo, a 37-7 to Toledo win, where A-State rushed for negative yards in the game, and one of the one of the worst road performances maybe ever for a state uh 34 to 20 utah state in 2016 that was in the midst of the 0 and 4 start to the season uh before a state turned it around went 8 and 4 and won the sunbelt conference but not a good performance on the road and then uh 44 to 21 smu won in 2017 which was an interesting game because talent-wise smu probably if they actually had a head coach and not chad morris Probably a ten win team, but I think they wound up going seven and five, six and six that year. But I mean they they had two NFL wide receivers. Two guys that are in the NFL right now. James Prochet and Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton was amazing. Yeah. Still is amazing. Prochet was the one that like really went off on A State in that game, but Cortland Sutton also had a few catches too. So uh SMU won forty four to twenty one in that game in a really, really talented uh SMU team. A game that A State led fourteen to seven. And then got outscored twenty-seven to zero between the second and third quarters. I mean, it's just hard to cover those two receivers. Yeah, it's not much you can. do. My least favorite memory about that game was after the game, being down on the field. Uh, I don't remember what I was doing, but I was down on the field for something after the game, and I saw SJ two E in the tunnel, and SJ two E and like Chad Morris and a few of the assistants were celebrating, and I was like, I hate it here. I want to. I want to go home <laughs> because SJ great win, great go. win. It's like, man, home. I just, I don't, I don't want to hear SJ two e bragging about beating a state right now. I'm sorry, I just don't. 
<laughs> that, so, was, that made my day. That yeah. So, so actually, I don't even know if Chad Morris was there. I think it was SJ and like one of the grad assistants and maybe one of the assistant coaches like bragging about beating A State. And I was like, I just, I got to get out of this situation. So, uh, <laughs> 2013 to 2017, not great in group of five road games. Yeah. But it took a turn in 2018 for the better. And where it took a turn is actually where A-State will be this weekend in Tulsa. Ooh. Because A-State won 29-20 to over Tulsa in 2018. The final score indicates it was kind of close. It really wasn't. A-State was up 27-10 to and really in control of the game going into the fourth quarter and then kind of took their foot off the gas. But it was one of the more impressive showings for A-State on the road during the Blake Anderson era. I mean, maybe outside of Kansas State, I don't really know of another non-conference road game uh, that was more impressive than uh, that one. Maybe UNLV in 2019 uh, when A-State won 43-17 to to because that was a really cool – that was, you know, the return of Blake Anderson, his first game back on the sideline. Uh, and A-State was up 23-3 at the half and had 500 yards of offense. So Jeez. A-State now two for their last three in road games against group of five opponents. Obviously, last year they lost 37-24 to uh, to Memphis, but, you know, weird year, weird game. A-State still other chances to win the game, but really did nothing on offense in the second half of play. Right. Uh, so, you know, you this game is important for a lot of reasons on Saturday. Uh, you know, going into the season, I don't know that, anyone really gave you much of a chance to go two and two in non-conference play because on paper you were playing Washington who was ranked they were ranked preseason 20th uh Memphis who a lot of people had and you know as a sneaky group of five team that could wind up in the top 25 there was a lot of expectations for Tulsa after you know a pretty impressive year for a pretty decent year for Tulsa a year ago and now this one looks maybe a little bit more winnable for A-State. So if you win this game, then all of a sudden you feel good maybe about getting to six and being able to go to a bowl game because you still have ULM, you still have Georgia State, you still have Texas State on the schedule. And even though South Alabama looks improved, South Alabama is still very much a game you can win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you go 2-2 two and two in non-conference play and you probably feel pretty good about at least getting to six, if not more. Uh, if you're a state, so it's it's a very important game uh, coming up this weekend for uh, a state. It, I think it will determine the the trend of the whole season. I do in too, my opinion, because I mean, let's be honest, going on the road to Statesboro and facing the triple option week one of Sunbelt Conference play is tough. Yeah. It's especially tougher if you're coming off of three straight losses. Yeah, jeez. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's important for a lot of reasons because it's it's weird to say, like, in week four a game could define the season. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, every it team really has, could. Yeah, every team has that game. It doesn't matter what yeah. week it is. I mean, if you're off to an 0-3 start, or if you're off to a 1-3 start having lost three straight games and all of a sudden you have to go to Georgia Southern, play a top 25 team in Coastal Carolina at home, and play a preseason top 25 team in Lafayette at home, like, that is not an easy start to the Sun Belt. So, I mean, it's, not at all. it's kind of a win this weekend is kind of important for a lot of reasons. But we'll we'll kind of dive more into Tulsa and start looking really at uh, the matchup between A-State and Tulsa tomorrow on the show. 
Uh, and we'll kind of look at uh, the Tulsa offense tomorrow and how maybe the A-State defense matches up with that. We have to take a break. We'll uh, come back. We'll check in on some national sports stories about 15 minutes away from touching base with Curtis Wilkerson. That and much more coming up after this on The Ticket. We're not ready to go to the closer just yet. Stick around. More of the setup is coming up next on The Ticket. Have a great time and the chance to win a whole lot of money and most importantly support our beloved disabled American veterans on September 25th and 26th at the Hooked on Lake Dardanelle Big Bass Tournament. Go to Get5Bass.com. That's Get, the number 5, Bass.com to register today with hourly payouts and a grand prize of $5,000. This two-day tournament is growing in to one of the largest tournaments in Arkansas to benefit true American heroes, our disabled American veterans. None of this would be possible without our incredible sponsors, including Innovation Industries, ArcBest, Bunning Electric, Jelco, Burris Office Supply, J&I Trucking, Peters Furniture, Elmo's Boom Truck Service, Alpha Countertops, and Industrial Power Inc. Fish with a purpose on September 25th and 26th. Join us for a special Friday night dinner before the tournament from 5 to 7. Go to Get5Bass.com. That's get the number five V-A-S-S dot com and join us to support our disabled American veterans. This has paid with state and regional funds. You've got a lot riding on how well your car gets repaired. When you choose Stadium Auto Body after an accident, you know you've chosen the best body shop in Northeast Arkansas. Stadium Auto Body is iCar Gold Class certified, meaning our auto body professionals have current, up-to-date training that contributes to complete, safe, and quality repairs. Accidents happen. We're what happens next. Stadium Auto Body in Jonesboro and StadiumAutoBody.com. What are you looking for in a dentist? Experience, a friendly, caring staff, the latest in procedures and technology. You can have all of those things at Brooklyn Dental. Dr. Tony and Dr. Adams have been taking care of patients across the area for years and have brought that care to the all-new Brooklyn Dental. They're accepting new patients right now and work with all types of insurance. So why wait? Call Brooklyn Dental now at 393-5330 to schedule an appointment. That's 393-5330. Brooklyn Dental, open now on Highway 49 North in Brooklyn. Are you ready to change banks or add another checking account without even going to the bank? It's super easy with Farmers and Merchants Bank and the Bank of Fayetteville at mebanking.com. Simply go to mebanking on your computer, tablet, or smartphone. Then scroll through our selection of checking accounts to find the perfect one for you. Fill out the online form and you're on your way. For all the details and to get started now, go to mebanking.com. Member FDIC. Hey folks, Clark St. Chris with Harris Ford. If you're currently in the need of a car, truck, or SUV, please come to Harris Ford and view our vast selection of new and programmed Ford cars, trucks, and SUVs, plus an unmatched selection of used vehicles in tip-top shape with really low miles. President Awards service at Harris Ford, exit 85 off of Highway 67 at Newport. You'll like what we do. We're always rooting for overtime round here. Now let's get back to the setup. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you. A little bit of a shorter segment here as we're about... Oh, 11 or 12 minutes away from welcoming in our friend uh, Curtis Wilkerson for our weekly chat. Curtis of hogsports.com. So 
Uh, a lot to recap on the uh, Razorbacks front as they're coming off a win over uh, Georgia Southern and getting set to take on Texas A&M uh, this weekend down in Dallas. Uh, all right, so last night, if you weren't watching baseball, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people in this area were because the Cardinals are surging, we'll get to that later on in the show, but uh, – the biggest sporting event on last night was Monday Night Football. It was the Packers and the Lions, a game I really had no interest in. Yeah, uh, I didn't either. I, I knew it was going to be a blowout. Uh, the Lions are not good at all. Uh, Shout and- out to DeAndre Swift for getting me point five points enough to win my game. <laughs> I just made yeah, it. Yeah, death by Aaron Jones. I, I, I was up 35 points in Aaron Jones. My brother had the same night. thing. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it was not a fun night. Um uh, but, like, I had no interest in that game last night because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Uh, Green Bay was going to look like Green Bay has looked for years upon years. They weren't going to be nearly as bad as they were in week one against New Orleans. Right. And Detroit is, like, actually bad. It was going to be a blowout. But uh, I saw I saw on Twitter where – I know they're only doing a condensed amount of games on the Manning cast, but I saw last night that the Manning cast was back for week two. All right, I got to watch so, last night was, I think, better than week one for the Manning cast, and I'm not so sure it shouldn't be the way to broadcast big sporting events going forward. Because, like, obviously, you have to have the main broadcast for people to watch, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people that want to listen to the actual broadcast and, you know, hear about the actual game, hear stats, and just have, have yeah. just have that normal broadcast. Because, I mean, let's be honest, you're not getting that with the Manny cast. No, they're, they're not doing play-by-play. When, when they give the ball to Aaron Jones, it's not like, hey, Aaron Jones rushed for 120 yards last week and averaged three and a half yards or five and a half yards per carry, whatever. Like, you're not getting that with the Manny cast. And so there is a sense of a little bit of, on big games, like, yeah, I want the actual broadcast to right. get the – analysis of both teams and or if you have it on in the background of like yeah, a party or something exactly like if i have a game on in the background obviously the manny cast is not good for that because i want to be able to listen and kind of be able to follow along yeah, with my ears glance and, over and hear the play before yeah, and everything exactly yeah. but like i think i think an alternate <laughs> feed like that is is great because again like i cared nothing about the game last night uh and if it wasn't for the manny cast i don't know that i would have watched and really and truthfully i didn't like intently watched the game last night. I was just there more more to hear everything that went on in the Manning cast and to hear all the stories. Well, um, I, I love it because Peyton and Eli are such like foot. I mean, obviously they're amazing quarterbacks, so they know right. the game very well. But they're also like play nerds, so they're obsessed with like the coverage and everything, and they will break it down. Yeah, amazingly but more so Peyton than Eli. Like I feel like oh, Eli, hundred percent. Eli is just there to kind of like chill and hang out, and just like wants to watch the game. And like every bad pass a quarterback makes, every wrong read a quarterback makes, Peyton Manning is just like losing his mind. I love it. It's so funny. And so it's <laughs> like Peyton. Is, Peyton acts like he is coaching the game, whereas Eli is just sitting back and chilling. My you know? favorite was when they brought Gronk on for the second quarter. And he just – Gronk just starts roasting Peyton, like, yeah. immediately. Yeah. It was so, so good. Gronk was on. That was good. Uh, Patrick Willis was on, which was cool. Uh, hashtag come to the sip. Uh, <laughs> good to see Patrick Willis on there. Uh, the the absolute best, though, was Pat McAfee at the end. Uh, 
And I love Pat. I don't McAfee. know. Like I don't know if a lot of people uh, knew that at one point in Pat McAfee's career. I don't know if it was while he was still playing or like right after he retired. But Pat McAfee did this like quick, uh, maybe like three or four show like comedy tour. Yeah, where he he did a stand up tour, and one of the stories that he told on that stand up tour that has been one of my favorite stories ever for the last few years that I don't know that has gotten kind of the love that it deserves is the Peyton Manning Red Eighteen story that he told on the air last night. So. <laughs> If you missed it on the ESPN broadcast, just go to YouTube. And I have to watch it because I stopped at halftime. Pat McAfee, Red 18, because it was, I mean, it, it's its its one of the funniest stories. I mean, Pat McAfee ever. was the best character you could get on that cast. I mean, he's, oh, yeah. he's electric on and yeah. off the field. Even when he retired and he started his podcast, I was yeah. super hesitant. He's awesome. He's yeah. so entertaining. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it, I hope they're, uh, I hope Pat McAfee's on there more, which Peyton Manning was like, hey, you have an open invite uh, whenever the broadcast ended. But, I mean, I think it was one of the best things ESPN has ever done. Because for me, I I don't really care much about Monday Night Football unless it is a marquee matchup. And right. more times than not, Thursday Night Football and Monday Night Football are not marquee matchups that just, like, draw me in. I'm more like, I'll just wait till Sunday. I'll watch all the games on Sunday, and I don't care about Thursday Night Monday Night Football. There- but... There's a uh, there's a rumor that I don't know how true this is. I saw it on Twitter, but there's a rumor that they may do the Manning cast for the UT Ole Miss game. They haven't yeah, locked I, anything in. Yeah, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen. That would be cool. But yeah, I don't know if they'll be, get get it together because yeah. of the contract and everything. But if they did, that'd be amazing. Yeah, from a sheer entertainment value, I love the Manning cast because I if if it wasn't for that, I would not have watched a single second of that game. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I just I just wanted to watch to see. Uh, what happened on that Peyton so. had me laughing like out loud I've never done that on a broadcast yeah. I was laughing out loud every time he said something yeah so uh <laughs> Eli's f- the best and, was the beginning when Eli told a forehead joke and then he said their yeah. dad told them to stop for like three weeks well and I think Peyton Manning might have got away with the a little bit of a dirty word. Uh, oh, he when, did. When Pat McAfee was on. So. Yeah, 100% <laughs> so, I heard that. Yeah, it, it, at times it wasn't very PG, but it was very good. Highly recommend. Oh, uh, in terms of other um, sports news going on today, uh, from a national perspective, uh, interesting this morning that uh, Ben Simmons said he will not report back to the 76ers. He is done with them. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is dealing with a pec injury. Um, let's see. J.J. Redick uh, announced his retirement from the NBA after a 15-year career that's, in the NBA. Mm, that's so, sad. I loved watching Yeah, it, My favorite player growing up, and now he's retired, so it kind of makes me feel a little bit old. Uh, and one <laughs> of the other like wild stories is uh, the Superdome roof in New Orleans caught on fire today. Uh, huh. thankfully, I think they were able to put it out pretty quickly, but, uh, the report coming out from ESPN is that one person was injured. Uh, but no how did that fire start or anything like that? So it, I, so the saints are scheduled to play at home for the first time since Ida next weekend against the giants. So I wonder how much that impacts whether or not they will be able to play at home. Like, is that a game that's going to be played in Baton Rouge or, Right, because they're going to be moved to 
New York. Like I, that's. I'm just confused how that fire. Like, is that an intentional fire? I don't. Yeah, know. I don't know. <laughs> so that uh, that was uh, interesting. Um, all right, so we really need to get into some baseball talk, and we're going to do that to close out the show today because the NL is crazy. Uh, it's insane. The Cardinals have won nine in a row, uh, and they are on a hot streak and have great odds to make the playoffs now. So we'll get into that to close the show, but we're going to step aside. When we come back, uh, we'll be joined uh, by Curtis Wilkerson of Hawk Sports for our weekly chat. Keep it up after this on the ticket. Kara's icing down, Bobo's in the pen. But Kate and Andrew are dealing. The setup continues right after this on the ticket. Hatcher steps up, going to keep it. Inside the 10, inside the 5 lane, Hatcher is into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. The Red Wolves wrap up the non-conference schedule on the road Saturday as they take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And you can hear it all on your home for A-State football, 107.9 K-Fine. Coverage begins at 120 with Wolfhouse, presented by Baird Auto Group. Then from Tulsa, it's the Mid-South Ford Dealers Tailgate Show at 2, the Centennial Bank pregame show at 3, and kickoff at 4 o'clock. A-State football is sponsored in part by High Vision Care Center, First Security Bank, Hilltop Family Dentistry, JT White Hardware and Lumber, Crown Limousine, Magnet Motor Company, Elite Eye Care, Hijinx, Arkansas State University, Max Prairie Wings, NEA Golf Cars, Mr. T's, and Ritter Communications. It's almost here, the NEA District Fair. Same place, same great fun. Now with extended days for even more fun. The carnival kicks off Thursday, September the 23rd and runs through Saturday, then picks up again on Monday the 27th for a full week of everything fair. We've got a new carnival company, new rides, and a new carnival layout. Armbands are sold daily with the exception of Tuesday. Get armbands Monday through Thursday for $20, Friday and Saturday for $25. Single ride tickets will still be available. On the 28th, it's a Tuesday for Tuesday. All admissions are just two bucks. All rides are two bucks and even certain food items and game specials on the Midway are two bucks. Thursday is senior day. Anyone over 65 gets in free from one to six. Gates open at four for the Midway Monday through Friday and at noon on Saturday. Gate admission is only six dollars for adults, three dollars for kids Monday through Friday and six dollar gate admission fee for everyone on Saturday. And kids 12 and under are admitted free on Friday, October the 1st from one to six. The NEA District Fair September 23rd through October second we'll see you at the fair swing drive to deep left it's going going another home run for 1812 pizza company 1812 pizza company knocks it out of the park every time with a huge selection of the area's best pizzas salads and sandwiches plus a great list of lunch specials and there are a ton of ways to get it to your team dine-in delivery or drive-through at their race street location or delivery curbside pickup or dine-in with members and guests at hilltop and you can order online at 1812pizzacompany.com send your crowd home happier than a walk-off homer with 1812 Pizza Company. You know, there's a lot of frustration in farming. One of them is sitting in your truck waiting on parts while your field needs to be worked. That's why Baker Implement is committed to you and your farm, providing you the best service, support, and quality parts fast. With multiple locations, they're sure to have the parts you need. That's why you need to visit BakerImplement.com. 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 Because sitting in that truck Waiting for them parts just makes you matter and matter. Get your parts, get them fast at BakerImplement.com. It's the quickest hour in sports talk. That was fast. Now back to the setup on the ticket.
All right, welcome back here on The Setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you here on 95.3, 96.9 FM, The Ticket. Halfway home on a Tuesday edition of the show, which means it's time to go to the phone lines and welcome in our friend Curtis Wilkerson of Hog Sports to the program. Curtis, how are you this afternoon? Hey, guys, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good to uh, catch up with you as uh, there's... Once again, there's really no shortage of stuff to talk about uh, with Arkansas as a uh, big week coming up against Texas A&M down in Dallas, and we'll get to that. But first off, uh, Arkansas gets a 45-10 to win over Georgia Southern uh, last Saturday. You know, a lot of people, that game being sandwiched in between Texas and Texas A&M thought, hey, maybe this would be a trap game. But uh, a convincing win for Arkansas, 45-10. to what were your kind of overall takeaways from that uh, Arkansas win on Saturday? Well, you know, for the most part, it was uh, a pretty boring game, which I think is exactly what Arkansas wanted there. You know, it was uh, the first time in a long time that Arkansas has just really been uh, in control from start to finish against the team that they're supposed to. And, you know, that 35-point that margin of victory – uh, that's the largest since Chad Morris's debut uh, in 2018 against wow. Eastern Illinois. So it's been that long since they beat a team by 35 points. And, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, but at the end of the day, they did exactly what they needed to do, you know. Um, did a good job against that option attack, which is always a, a tricky thing to prepare for. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about whether or not K.J. Jefferson was going to open things up in the air a little bit, get some confidence in that passing attack. And, you know, he had a career day with 366 yards passing and three touchdowns. So, you know, overall they, they did what they're supposed to do and, you know, set up a matchup of the uh, the unbeaten this weekend. So it should be fun. Yeah, you mentioned K.J. Jefferson with the 366 yards and then three touchdowns. Um is that the most comfortable you think he's looked throwing the football this year for Arkansas? Uh, yeah, I think this year probably so. You know, I still haven't seen just yet uh, that K.J. Jefferson that we saw last year when he got that spot start at Missouri. I just yeah. thought uh, from an accuracy standpoint and, and just a, a pure confidence, that's the best I've seen him throughout his career. But uh, definitely the best we've seen so far this season last weekend uh, you know, made a couple long throws. He still missed a few, but, uh, you know, nobody throws 100% in the game. So, uh, you know, might have had a couple that he'd like to have back or even a couple completions that, uh, you know, maybe just underthrew a little bit or you know, on the wrong shoulder where it could have been a bigger game. But, you know, at this point it's really splitting hairs. He's, he's off to a really good start. And, uh, you know, I, what I thought was particularly interesting was he threw for all those yards uh, and he only rushed for 18. So, yeah. you know, he's proven that he can have an impact uh, in the passing game without relying on his legs. And, you know, that's probably something he's going to have to do in games, you know, as we move on throughout the season as teams load up the box against that Arkansas rushing attack. Yeah, and Jefferson had a great game throwing the ball, but then on the other side, Traylon Burks had a really good game at receiver, leading the team in receiving yards. And, you know, that's that's someone that's going to have to be really impactful for uh, this Razorback offense going forward. Yeah, that's so true. It was really nice to see a breakout from him. You know, three catches, uh, 127 yards, got that touchdown. Uh, and the way he got it was really nice to see. You know, it was a little little screen pass or a little, you know, little swing pass there uh, that he actually caught right about the line of scrimmage, and he ran that thing for 91 yards and, you know, broke away from the defense, a big touchdown run there. Uh, 
So that was really good to see. You know, he's he's been making some catches, but he's been in that 35 to 45-yard range in, in receiving yards, and everybody knows what he's capable of. So that was good to see. And, you know, to, to build off of that, one of the biggest questions was who is going to be that number two guy in that receiver room behind him. And I think you're really starting to see the emergence of Tyson Morris. He's just done a really nice job. Uh, one of those super seniors with a lot of experience, and he continues to just make big play after big play. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of got a knack for coming up with one long catch and, and one touchdown catch per game. So if he continues that, that's a good thing for the Hogs. You kind of talked about it, uh, you know, initially, uh, but defending the triple option, you know, in a team like Georgia Southern is never easy. Uh, and the Hog defense holds Georgia Southern to just 156 rushing yards. What did you kind of see out of this uh, Arkansas defense that was really able to take their rushing attack away on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I was really impressed, and and those are pretty good numbers anyway. They're a little bit deceiving. Uh, Georgia Southern got exactly half of their yards on the one mistake that Arkansas made in the game, uh, which afterwards, as as it turns out, I guess was a a missed call on Barry Odom's part. They said in the press conference, but – uh, Georgia Southern's quarterback, Justin Tomlin, broke free for a, a 76-yard touchdown run there in the second quarter. And aside from that, uh, I think they had 34, 35 other carries at about two yards per carry. So, wow. you know, allowed one big play. But other than that, they really stifled it. And it starts with that defensive line. You know, those, those guys have shown a lot of improvement early in the season. The impact a guy like, you know, Big John Ridgeway has made there in the middle, being disruptive. Uh, the transfers, particularly Trey Williams on the defensive line, uh, they're controlling the line of scrimmage, getting a lot of push, and, and really blowing things up. And then, you know, uh, on the second and third levels, playing assignment football, uh, you know, wrapping up, tackling, not missing a lot of tackles. So, you know, so far it's been really good. And, uh, you know, obviously the competition's getting ready to kick up here, so we'll see how it holds up. Talking with Curtis Wilkerson of Hog Sports and. You're, you're right. It's a top 25 matchup this weekend uh, between Arkansas and Texas A&M. And talk about the game, uh, sure, but really want to kind of bring up, you know, one of the things that always comes up around this game is that it is a neutral site game. It is played in Dallas at Jerry World every year. Uh, and obviously that's for a lot of reasons, money being at the top of the list. Is this a game that you think is going to continue to be played in Dallas for the foreseeable future, or could you see it maybe kind of moving back to an on-campus game, uh, you know, at some point? Yeah, I I think that this thing is going to be moved back to campus this year as soon as that contract is up. And I I can't remember, it's either 2024 or 25 is is the last year uh, on that contract. And I think at that point we're going to see it move back to the campuses. Uh, I know Texas A&M's athletic director was – really vocal about that last year uh, and I know Arkansas would you know there's some benefits to playing that game in Texas but they'd like to have it at home and Sam Pittman touched on that yesterday you know if, if you think back to last year uh, that game was actually played in College Station you know given the the COVID circumstances yeah. and things like that and so naturally you think okay well they'll just return it to Fayetteville next year but yeah you know, there's a, a clause in the contract that prevented that from happening so it's back on the neutral side, and, and you know Sam Pittman's looking at it, going, "Hey, this ain't fair." <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and they've got they've got three uh, home games technically uh, here coming up in the next five weeks. But you look at the schedule, and you know it's really a neutral site. 
this weekend, uh, which is it's it's coined a home game for Arkansas. And then a couple weeks after that, they've got the uh, the UAPB, yeah, excuse me, UAPB game at War Memorial Stadium. So three home games, but you get one on your campus, and that's something they're looking to rectify in the future. So I do think that the series eventually is going to go back to a more traditional setting. It's uh, Arkansas and A and M this week. It's a top. Uh... 20 matchup uh, Texas A&M comes in at number seven in the country obviously you know a lot of question marks around them uh, with their quarterback situation what do you kind of expect to see uh, out of this game from both teams on Saturday yeah this is going to be a really interesting matchup uh, you know just just looking at it on paper I, I kind of expect a low scoring game which if that's what I expect it will probably be exactly opposite but uh, man, you, you look at it, and Arkansas has just been so tough defensively this year, you know, allowing 16 points per game. Uh, you know, we've seen what Barry Odom has been able to do, just, you know, taking away opponents' playmakers and, and really scheming up. And he's going to have his work cut out for him again this week. Texas, Texas A&M has some really nice playmakers uh, and guys like Anaya Smith, uh, Weidemeyer, the tight end. So, uh, and then obviously Spiller, the running back. So, you know, whereas they've been focused in on maybe one, like they were with, you know, Bichon Robinson for Texas, the Aggies have multiple guys that you have to account for. And then on the flip side, you know, Texas A&M defense is one of the tops in the country right now. They're allowing, uh, what is it, 5.7 points per game. Uh, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, they've, they've been holding teams down, especially – uh, their secondary has just been really phenomenal so far. I think they're allowing about 77 passing yards per game. They haven't allowed a passing touchdown. Uh, and, and you would think that they're probably going to try to load up and, and kind of quell that Arkansas rushing attack. So is K.J. Jefferson uh, going to be able to have similar success with his arm against that kind of secondary like he did last weekend? Uh, that's going to be one of the keys to the game. So uh, I think it's going to be a close one. It always is when these two teams meet and, you know, now you have it in a situation where both teams are ranked and there's a lot of implications in this one. Talking with uh, Curtis Wilkerson of Hawk Sports, uh, just uh, one more thing before we uh, let you get out of here. Just uh, what's what's kind of the latest on Arkansas? How healthy are they coming into this game? And then what's kind of the optimism like around the program going into this game this weekend? Well, I, I think I'll answer the second question first. I think the optimism is as high as it's ever been, you know, uh, is Arkansas, are they really the 16th best team in the country? I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a little bit too early to say, but just to be back in that national spotlight and, yeah. you know, regardless of, of where they wind up at the end of the year, you know, they're going to lose some games uh, in the SEC. I, I think everybody understands that, but, you know, just seeing the way that they're trending in the right direction and, and the way Sam Pittman has this thing rolling. Uh, everybody's excited, and, and it feels good, and, and the fan base deserves it. It's been a while, you know. Um, in terms of health, eh, we'll, we'll see. It, it's, a, it's a little too early to tell. I, I think we'll probably get some more information over the next couple of days, but, uh, you know, a couple of things that stand out. Uh, a couple of guys on that offensive line are a little dinged up, um, and, and your right tackle, Dalton Wagner, and center Ricky Stromberg. Both of those guys came out in that Georgia Southern game and didn't return. So questionable on those two guys. Uh, and, and then some other guys who have been banged up, playing through it a little bit. You think about tight end Hudson Henry, uh, running back Traylon Smith, you know, one of your safeties and Miles Slusher. Uh, but all those guys seem to be trending in the right direction. I think the biggest question marks are there on that offensive line. So 
uh, we'll see. They're going to need them, I think, for, uh, for Saturday. Big game week uh, for Arkansas, Curtis. Uh, what can our listeners find over at uh, Hog Sports leading up uh, to kick off between A&M and Arkansas on Saturday? Yeah, as always, we've got all the breakdowns. You know, we, we break it down, uh, the offensive and defensive matchups. We go through our keys to victory and burning questions each week. Uh, I'm going to have some, some podcasts and things coming up over the next couple of days. So every angle that we can tackle that game from, uh, you know, the SEC is coming out with the uh, – the 2022 schedule release tonight. Yeah. So we'll have something on that as well. And then obviously uh, all the recruiting news, whether it's it's football, basketball, or anything else, we got you covered all sports. Well, we already know uh, South Carolina at Arkansas on September 10th, according to FBS schedule. So we at least know one Arkansas game next year. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Curtis, appreciate the time as always. Uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, next week and following along uh, your coverage this weekend. Hey, sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. That's Curtis Wilkerson of Hog Sports joining us on the program today. We'll come back, close it out after this on the ticket. Our advice? Just take the over. More of the setup is coming up next on the ticket. Livestock prices down this hour. Hello, I'm Scotty Woodson on the EAB Ag Network with your EAB Market Countdown. December corn at 517, down four and three quarters, with March corn at 525, down four and three quarters. November soybeans at 1274, up 11 and a half, with January soybeans at 1282 and three quarters, up 11. December wheat at 690 and a quarter, down 10 and a half, with March wheat at 701, also down 10 and a half. October cotton at 9118, up 129, with December cotton at 9003, up 101. November rice, 1385, up 12 and a half cents. January rice at 1404, up 14.5. Moving on to livestock now. October live cattle at 122.45, down 32.5. December live cattle at 127.80, down 27.5. September feeder cattle at 154.85, down 15. With October feeder cattle at 156.62.5, down 5. October lane hogs at 84.37.5, down 60. December hogs at 73.60, down 62.5. That's your EAB market countdown, and I'm Scotty Woodson. Have a great day. If you came across someone struggling with hunger... How would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice an eight-year-old girl who's not excited for a summer break because she may not be having lunch again until September? Or a single father of two who works three part-time jobs and still can't put enough food on the table? Or maybe a mother who cleans offices at night? Hoping to find meeting leftovers to take home to her hungry family. Or a war veteran who's having a hard time landing a job and getting back on his feet. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. It's time again for one of the most celebrated celebrations in all of rock and roll. It's time for Depot Days in downtown Newport this weekend as we acknowledge the deep history of rock and roll in Northeast Arkansas. This year's Depot Days is featuring live music again in downtown Newport. Friday night, Newport native and TV The Voice finalist Jim Ranger. with Nightwing live then Saturday night. The Artemis Pile Band honoring the music of Ronnie Van Zant's Leonard Skinner featuring legendary Leonard Skinner drummer Artemis Pile. 
plus a 50s throwback from Bill Haley Jr. and the Comics. The admission is free. For a complete schedule, go to depotdays.org. Don't miss the real rock and roll festival of the Mid-South. Depot Days, this Friday and Saturday in downtown Newport. Advertisement paid for the state and Ozark Gateway funds. Visit www.ozarkgateway.com or call 1-800-264-0316 for fun places to visit. Timeout's over, and we're going to a full-court press. Now let's get back to the setup on the ticket. Going crazy. All right, welcome back here on the setup. Kate Carlton, Andrew Bowen with you for about eight more minutes or so here on the ticket 95.3 FM, 96.9 FM, 970 AM KNEA. Thanks to Curtis Wilkerson of Hog Sports for joining us, previewing a little bit of uh, Arkansas and Texas AM coming up on Saturday. From uh, Jerry World down in Dallas, I, I didn't realize it until uh, he brought it up. But in a in a sport where home games are huge, extremely valuable, right? Where in the SEC, like Alabama, every year has eight home games. They just do. Like Alabama and everyone else in the SEC has eight home games. Mm-hmm. Well, Arkansas, like you mentioned, has four home games coming up, four games where they are the home team coming up between now and November 6th. A&M, where they're the home team, is going to be played in the neutral side in Dallas at AT&T Stadium. Arkansas Pine Bluff, where they're the home team, is going to be played in Little Rock. So two of their four home games are not actually going to be played on campus, meaning that they have Auburn, Mississippi State, and Mizzou left at home. And they're going to have a total of, what, six home games? Yeah. Six home games in the SEC? Seems like they're being cheated out of home games, essentially, with the neutral site. I I would not be happy about six home games in the SEC. That is... It's bad. That is a very, 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 very low, very low number. And I want to say even Bama, I need to find Bama's schedule. But even with their uh, neutral site game at against Miami to open up the season in Atlanta, I want to say they still have eight home games. Yeah, it's just not, it's not, uh, not fair. So that. Uh, it's a very interesting thing that uh really didn't think about until uh he brought it up. So let's see. Bama has three, four, five, six, seven. So Bama has seven home games. Neutral side against Miami was a home game this year. So they have seven home games. But even still, seven's much a much better number than six. So that's a little crazy. But uh Anyways, the uh, SEC 2022 SEC schedule does come out tonight. Um, we've already seen one matchup announced, or two matchups announced, actually, as uh, Arkansas will open with South Carolina in Fayetteville on September 10th, and Kentucky will be at Florida. Those are the two confirmed uh, matchups for the SEC 
coming up next year. But that schedule drops tonight uh, at 6 Central, I believe, which, by the way, like I, I love that the SEC will drop their schedule in the middle of the season and give fans a full year to plan these road trips. Yeah, it's very uh, I love it of them, yeah. Meanwhile, the Sun Belt waits until like March 15th to drop their <laughs> schedule every year. Yeah. And it drives me insane. And then you're scrambling to find yeah, hotels I mean, you're, and you're, everything. Yes, I mean, it just – I get it. Like, the SEC is a big to-do, whatever, but still, like, it drives me insane that the Sun Belt does not release it's their just schedule until March gap. 1. Because, yeah, I mean, this is – so the FBS schedules put this out. The ACC schedule comes out in January. The Big 12 schedule comes out sometime between October through December. The Big 10 has already been announced through 2025. The CUSA comes out in January. The MAC comes out in February. The Mountain West comes out in February. The Pac-12 comes out in December. And the SEC in September. The only two that come out later than that, the American comes out in February and the Sun Belt comes out mid-March. The Sun Belt is the very last conference to release their conference schedule every single year. So that's on them. Yes. I mean, so, I, mean I just I, – I don't understand If why. the Mountain West and the MAC are beating you, that's yes. a bad sign. And Conference USA. Yes. I, I don't I don't understand how the SEC can release theirs in September and the Sun Belt waits until the middle of March to release their schedule. But that's They're trying a, to be different. <laughs> I guess. I mean, sometimes different not always the best thing to do. I agree. Um, so I guess that's a uh, different uh, rant for a different day. Um <laughs> I did find it uh, interesting that uh, we've we've seen so we've seen in college football this year that uh, attendance has been down, which kind of is to be um, expected. But the ratings have kind of been soaring throughout the year for college football. Uh, there's now been five games in college football that have drawn four or more. Four million plus viewers on the year so far. Wow. So the ratings in college football are up. Meanwhile, Dan Mullen at Florida, who is playing Tennessee this weekend, is like doing everything in his power to make sure that the swamp is packed. He's like going out of his way for a Florida Tennessee game that historically is one of the longest rivalries in the SEC. Oh, it goes well. To have back. a packed stadium. Yeah. It, I, I just. I don't know. It's it's kind of sad how uh, it's actually like in terms of an SEC game, it's one of the most toxic environments to ever be in. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Even if you're in Neyland, yeah. if you're in the swamp, it's so unbelievably hostile. <laughs> it's it's yeah. actually kind of scary. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably Ole Miss and LSU. It's probably up there too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been to LSU. I struck a nerve. I've been to LSU as an Ole Miss fan. <laughs> Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The most vicious tiger bait I ever got was from like a five or a six year old that was in my oh, face it's, yelling it's tiger the worst. bait. They they start him young. They it's the young. worst because those little kids know they yep. can say whatever they want. And you yep. can't respond. They start him young. Uh close out the show, talk a little bit about baseball as uh it's very interesting coming down the stretch. Um like the Padres were favored to be the second wild card team throughout all of the summer. Pretty much, it was the, it was it was the Giants, it was the Dodgers, and then it was the Padres. And really, like nobody else was close. Yeah, they've since self destructed. They're fighting with each other in the dugout. They're firing their pitching coach. They 
their starting rotation has become terrible, and all of a sudden they're only three games over 500 and four games back of the wild card, and the Cardinals pretty much ended their season last weekend. Well, then you have the Reds. The Reds were 500, exactly 500, on 4th of July weekend. And then the Reds start surging. And all of a sudden, the Reds are like in this second wild card spot. Well, now the Reds are three games back. So, really, the only team you have left to have any kind of worry about, if you're the Cardinals, is the Reds. And the Cardinals now have like an 84, 82% chance of clinching the playoffs. It's wild. It's crazy. And meanwhile, in the AL... The Yankees are a half game back of the second wild card spot, which, if they get the second wild card spot, would pit the Red Sox and the Yankees in a one game wild card playoff. That's wild. Which would I probably really be the most watched wild card game in the history of baseball. I hope that happens. I do That'd too. be amazing. The Blue Jays are a half game up on the Yankees right now, so still a week and a half, two weeks of the season left to go, but um, yeah. It's exciting. You talk about Dodgers, Cardinals. And Yankees Red Sox as your potential wild card matchups, and you talk about, especially I think the both of those would be midweek. It's I think it goes Tuesday Wednesday. You talk about ratings bonanza for the MLB because at that point Tuesday Wednesday you aren't competing with any kind of football. You're the really the only thing on, right? So that'd be insane. That would be insane. All right, uh, tomorrow we'll get a chance to catch up with Philip Butterfield, get our first chance to kind of dive into uh, what we expect to see out of Tulsa. Tomorrow on the program, I want to thank Curtis Wilkerson of Hawk Sports for joining us at 2.30. Thanks to Andrew across the way for producing. The Drive with Brad Bobo is next. Front row with Budrow from 7 to 10 tomorrow morning. Red Wolf Roll Call from 10 to 12. The Workday Red Zone from 12 to 2. Get you back to us tomorrow from 2 to 3. For Andrew, I'm Cade saying so long. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.